Welcome to Pushing the Limits, the show that helps you reach your full potential with your host, Lisa Tarmati, brought to you by lisatarmati.com. Well, welcome back to the show, everybody. This week, I have another incredible guest for you. Uh, it's been a long time in the making getting this incredible man on. I have Dr. Charles Meakin, who is the medical director of the Care Oncology uh, Clinic, which is a cancer clinic that uses the metabolic approach to cancer uh, in the United States. He's also a coach uh, who does a lot of lifestyle and uh, health interventions. He has an incredible backstory. Um, and he shares the latest knowledge in uh, health and health prevention areas around cancer, uh, the latest in uh, science and technologies that they are, they are working with. Uh, very, very interesting episode with Dr. Charles Meakin, and I do hope you get a benefit out of it. You know, it's not just for people who are dealing with cancer, but it's about understanding um, the things that you can do to prevent this from ever happening. So it's a, a really important topic and obviously one that I'm very passionate about and sharing all this information, the cutting edge stuff about the metabolic approach to cancer. So so, um, I hope you enjoy that. And before we head over to the show, uh, I'd love you if you could give you a, a rating and review for this podcast. We've been doing it now for over six years. It's free. We want to keep the service free. So we do really thank those who are supporting the show, our patrons who are helping us keep this on air, because as you can imagine, it's a hell of a lot of work. And there's a, quite a team behind it with audio engineers and people who do all the social media and the graphics and, and so on and so forth, um, let alone actually finding these incredible guests, getting them on, doing all the research that goes into it. So we really do appreciate ratings and reviews. And if you wanted to support us, you can head over to patron.lisatarmity.com if you want to support the show or if you want to be a sponsor, we would love to hear from you. Um, we also would love you to come and check out our uh, epigenetics program. This is about understanding your genes and how to optimize those genes. Um, if you're dealing with any health issues, I do a lot of health consulting. Um, you can reach out to me at Lisa at LisaTarmity.com for that. Um, and we also do, I do speaking, corporate speaking, and we have corporate wellness programs. We also have our longevity and anti-aging supplements and our uh, perfect amino sports supplement. So check out everything that we do. You can head over to LisaTarmity.com, check out the work with us button. You can also head over to our running coaching website which is runninghotcoaching.com find out all about our running programs as well so without further ado now over to the show with dr charles meekin well, hi, everyone, and welcome back to Pushing the Limits today. I'm very, very excited to have an amazing gentleman with me, Dr. Charles Meakin, who is uh, the medical director of Care Oncology, also a coach, uh, also an incredible human being. So welcome to the show, Dr. Charles. <laughs> very nice to meet you again. <laughs> Lisa, so nice to be here on this podcast, Pushing the Limits. Um, you know, I, I've enjoyed you know looking at some of your prior guests i'm honored to be a part of this program and you know a lot of what we do in cancer care uh in, in pushing the limits is sort of a microcosm of what people do in life and you have certainly cracked the code on diving into that and uh so i think it'll be a mutually beneficial learning experience i, I hope so i think so because you know your work, uh, you, you, you're with Care Oncology. I think we should probably um, talk about that. But you've been in oncology for the last 30 years. Is that right? 
yeah, dealing with people yeah, with so, cancer? You know, finished uh, my residency, golly, I'm almost embarrassed to say this, 1989 <laughs> out at Stanford, a great training place. Uh, and then I worked uh, in sort of primarily a big hospital in the Charlotte area, but also two other jobs in between, or, you know, in Cincinnati where I grew up and then Northern California as well um, until 19, uh, 2019, excuse me. And then I, I was able to pivot and shift. I have a congenital vision loss called retinitis pigmentosa. And of course, a lot of times there's a silver lining to some of these obstacles put in our way. And, you know, I was by definition legally blind, which doesn't look good for a vision-based field. So I, <laughs> I retired or, you know, finished my career there in, in the cancer center and then uh, went back and did a year of entrepreneurial work and stumbled upon, I uh, started a website for charity coaching and helped and did some, wrote some articles, but then I stumbled upon care oncology and it was a good fit. Uh, they were using metabolic strategies to impact cancer outcomes. It's a company that was originally started in England in 2013. So, uh, and they wanted to really get it going here in the United States. So I was honored to be offered a position there. And, uh, I think it's been a good fit. Oh, gosh, yeah. And, and the backstory behind care oncology is quite interesting. Would you mind sharing a little bit? How did, how did this come to be? In this, and what is the metabolic approach to cancer? Perhaps yeah, so real quickly on care oncology, it started, like most things in life, uh, because <laughs> of a brave woman. Ginny uh, was married to Robin Bannister. Robin was a PhD pharmacist and drug developer with a, you know, a creative background and a good big lab in London. His wife had uh, unfortunately gotten to the point where she had exhausted all the options for her stage four breast cancer and was recommended to go to hospice. At that point, he said, you know, let's, let's, you know, rethink this. And, you know, I call that point always save your ass university where you really get creative and, and <laughs> yeah. dive in. I love that. And we've all, and I know you've been through a few yeah, of those that are incredibly exciting. Universities. <laughs> and yeah, and so he put his team to work and, and, you know, in summary, ultimately chose these four drugs, four drugs that have been initially utilized for common non-cancer maladies, uh, but had a lot of ongoing data to say, gee, there is some impact on cancer. And he, he chose four because, you know, all drugs have you know, some side effects and, you know, have a sweet spot on their dosing. And he thought four was about the right number that would work with layering on with cancer patients and his wife. And he chose these four drugs primarily on their wealth of human data, not just, you know, animal data or Petri dish data. Number two, on their safety. He knew that people would be also participating in, in other treatments and he wanted it to be sort of invisible to their standard of care. Thirdly, he wanted drugs that had multiple non-overlapping mechanisms of action. So they'd work on different pathways and be therefore mutually synergistic. And then finally, he wanted drugs that would also have a benefit to other chronic conditions, unlike a lot of our current treatments where you sort of have to burn a bridge in the future to yeah. get some benefit today. And um, so Ginny got on them and lived four and a half years. And of course, wow. that was a, a reasonably good outcome, not a, not a home run, not what you know, Robin and close loved ones would want. But 
Uh, it did trigger, yeah, yeah enough pressure. interest to to kind of journey fur- further, and then they tested it in 100 glioblastoma patients in a patient accrual trial. It's called a patient registry trial there in London, and that showed a, a, a two to three x improvement over wow. standard of care SEER wow. data outcome. And so that was enough to say there is some serious signal here that we need to follow up on. And then they opened it up to all patients. And I think they've treated over five to six, 7,000 in England. We've treated uh, uh, just under that here in the U.S. We have six oncologists always working virtually and uh, a wonderful nurse team that also are all integrative and oncology trained. So, uh, so valuable. Like, and this is, you know, this is a complete new approach. And when you go to your standard oncologist in your local hospital, at least, you know, in New Zealand, um, you, you say metabolic approach and there's just silence. There's no, there's no knowledge of it whatsoever. Usually, um, Bingo. I have found yeah. a couple that have, oh, I've heard about, you know, something about it, but that's, that's not within the standard of care and, and, and therefore they're not, they're not up on the, on the, on the data really um, and, and I came across the metabolic approach I first found Jane McClellan was the first mm-hmm. um, with her how to starve cancer book and uh, dived in there and um, the radical remission book and uh, um, mm-hmm. oh, you know the uh, number of books and and I came across those those uh, drugs so in your in your core, the four drugs that um, the pharmacists found, so mabendazole, doxycycline, metformin, and um, uh, adibostatin are the four yep. that he sort of settled on. So I had my mum on those from the get-go. We had we, we were we were already on metformin because mm-hmm. it's a fantastic longevity drug anyway. Sure. Um, and um, so we added in the, the other three. Have you since that time also added in other supplements and uh, other drugs in the combination as the research has gone on and you've worked with, you know, further? Yes. Uh, let, let me answer that. You, first of all, you hit on, you know, a hot topic. Uh, you know, our, our British side has gone through a lot of compliance checks and and they've always kept these four drugs in in, in reasonable dose range and, and uh, have passed them on flying colors. And uh, as a company... We knew that we didn't want to just open up to everything and we wanted to stay alive in our mm. complicated caregiving world. Yeah. Uh, we yep. cover all the U.S. here in the United States and part of Canada. And so we've just kept it to those four drugs. However, in t- in within certain dose ranges, because we know we've got a lot of archival experience with those and have a center of excellence over in England with a lot of a lot of data and a lot of, uh, you know, you know, papers on different things. So we, you know, like yesterday I saw uh, 13 patients and wow. commonly different topics come up like, uh, you know, what would I add to this? Um, yesterday we, you know, we had a, a, one of our long-term patients who is a lovely man and he's five years out from glioblastoma. Wow. We only saw him three years he recurred twice and we saw him about three years ago wow. and he's got some marginal changes and we don't know if it's like a block shunt or a partially block shunt or true progression and so you know we we did a, a you know a think tank event by email and then we had a face-to-face 
And so I brought up two, two additional strategies that may be out there that he could possibly, possibly pursue on his own in addition to, you know, ongoing metabolic impact. And so we brought those up. One is uh, fluoxetine yep. or Prozac. And yep. another one was oxaloacetate, which uh, used yep. to be only available from like a, I've got you know, it. I've got both of those. But. Yeah, <laughs> industrial sources. But now um, there's a, an outfit that is providing access to oxaloacetate, which you know has some use in a lot of brain tumors. So, so we, mm. I think, m- most of our team is very conversant in these. Yep. And I've always debated in our physician physician meetings whether we need to deploy or consider a second list, you know, a salvage regimen, but. You know, I to your so. original, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to your original question, and and we're, I, I have to credit um, one of our, one of our founders, the fellow who really was responsible for bringing it over, Travis Christofferson, author, mm-hmm. science writer, he yeah. wrote the book Tripping Over the Truth. That's one. So, that, yep. yeah, yeah. So in it, he, you know, he really targets the sort of the the history of the evolution of cancer care. Mm. And how, you know, Otto Warburg had two Nobel Prizes for his, you know, early work looking at cancer is having mitochondrial flaws that would only therefore burn glucose in the presence of oxygen. Mm. And then uh, with further refinement of our tools, there was, you know, better understanding of genetic mutations. And so around 1960, there was sort of a diversion from you know, open-mindedness to metabolic strategies to mm. more of a the somatic mutation theory of cancer that all cancers are related to a oh, genetic, a, yeah, a, yeah, a misproduction of a you know miscopy of DNA and then forms a clone, and then the metabolic theory got left by its side. And as a caregiver, you know, I was always trying to discern why do some groups thrive and survive. And some groups, you know, possibly don't survive or crash and burn, so to speak. And, you know, I said, we never really, you know, gave credence to some of the other things they're doing in their life, like sleep, like their emotional status, like nutrition, like their exercise and activity programs, like, you know, a myriad of other things we could talk about. Um, And so when I stumbled upon care oncology, met Travis, I knew I was in good alignment. Travis help bring the light through the book, Tripping Over the Truth, the metabolic theory of cancer, namely that, you know, there, there may be, more importantly, sort of a loss of regulation because of failure of our energy metabolism, our mitochondrial function that oversees and governs the sanctity of our protein production through our RNA and DNA copy and production through our DNA transcriptome. So that... Um, I think has really started an avalanche of inquiry on this topic. Um, there is debate. Uh, Dr. Cantley says, well, m- maybe it's not purely mitochondrial dysfunction and, and maybe the, the cells burn glucose to bring cell mass or more building blocks to, to satisfy the rapid division of cancer cells. And that point is currently being debated, but clearly mm-hmm. The somatic mutation theory is not the sole theory. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, if you bi- biopsy a cancer, um, a metastatic spitis site especially, you will have 200 plus you know, mutational flaws. Yep. Yep. And, and many of those are downstream mutations 
that occur because of loss of regulation. And maybe only a few are sort of key driver mutations right. that are leading to this, this flawed growth. Um, it's interesting, the, the Dr. Weinberg, who championed the, the hallmarks of cancer, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and later in 2012, I think it was, or 13, he added three more, two of which are purely metabolic in their, in their mindset. That's so right. yeah. it's a slow movement. And uh, every day I'm honored and amazed at seeing some of the sort of the resiliency uh, and uh, you know, the outcomes that reflect that resiliency and yep. people who are embarking on sort of the the other, you know, the yeah. metabolic protocol and other yeah. things that impact that. And so anyway, you know, I want to give credit to Travis. Yeah, absolutely. And that book is um, amazing, Tripping Over the mm-hmm. Truth. I love an introduction if, you, if you're still connected sure. with him because he would be amazing oh. to have on the show too because in it, 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 understanding the whole background, so looking into the history of how the cancer research developed, it's very clear to see, you know, why, you know, of course the, D, the DNA stuff, the genetic stuff is, is really cool and exciting and we were breaking through with the technology and and mm-hmm. it, of course it does have a, a have an impact there are you know i did the rgcc test which is a genetic test for mum to look at what specifically sure. which supplements which drugs will work with her genetic mutations and her genes um that was very very valuable but it's 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 very much a two-way street i think it's like the metabolic side of it is probably i think the most important thing and this is where you know when uh, um, we were having immunotherapy uh, with mum, and you know, you look around all the other people having chemotherapies, uh, and that, and they're all eating sandwiches and orange juice um, mm-hmm. and cookies, and I'm just like, <laughs> do you not know that cancer feeds off of glucose for, at the basic level? I mean, without getting even too, you know, sure. Um, and this basic knowledge, I. Uh, I had a meeting with her oncologist or hematologist because he's a blood cancer, um, and and her weight she dropped a kilo or, or two, and uh, she's stable now, thank goodness. But she's dropped a kilo or two, and, and she goes, you know, Isabel, you have to eat your pudding. You know, you've got to eat yeah. your pudding. And Mum just looks at me and she goes, like I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because I have her on the most strictest of strictest mm-hmm. keto diets, and um, and I, you know, I, I didn't say anything to the doctor, but I was just like, "There's the problem," you know. Right, right. Problem. It's it's uh, not known. They think because you know you're going to become cachexic and you're going to lose weight and you need to keep your your your, your body weight up to eat anything, and that is the worst advice that you can give a cancer patient. Uh, you know, from- yeah, it's sort of like, you know, possibly adding gasoline to the fire. And, and yeah. then, you know, there's other layers of that, too. The 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 fear mongering that, uh, you know, there's no bad people out there. I mean, doctors and nurses are sort of chartered to give the whole list of everything that can happen. And sometimes it comes off very negative, mm-hmm. try to be complaint and it can become complete and they give sort of these average survivals, which, you know, yeah, not means useful. somebody's going to die today or tomorrow and then somebody's going to live 20 years. And it really can, you know, punch holes in people that coupled with, uh, you know, sort of the standard American diet, which has got the, the base of fruits and grains. Uh, once again, 
uh, a challenge to a person who's going through cancer care and, and also for, you know, ideal longevity strategies. You, you, you know, we were evolutionarily designed to eat primarily fats and proteins and, yes. uh, you know, with some seasonal uh, carbohydrates. Uh, and so that's what 99% of our biology was based on. So yeah. it takes a little bit of learning. It's coming along, you know, the Metabolic Health Conference, <laughs> which uh, started there in Tampa with uh, lovely Dominic DiGostino. Oh, hey, um, Domon. He's awesome. Yeah. 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 What a, what a, what a genuine man. Yeah. Uh, but I actually went to a conference called Seal Fit originally oh, just so I could uh, with like 10 years ago. I ultimately, you <laughs> know, went hero. there every year and, uh, <laughs> but I mainly said, I want to meet this guy. So, um, so that was when the tribe was very small and now <laughs> metabolic health conference is being held on the California side of things. And, you know, two years ago oh, before the pandemic, just before the pandemic was very large. They're having it again this, this coming May and it will probably be another big event. Oh. So this is moving along. Um, you know, there's a lot of commercial drivers that are also now getting involved. And, you know, there's probably, you know, good, you know, high fat, you know, options. And then there's probably ones that, you know, are not, quite, not quite as good, <laughs> yeah. but, um, but it's nice to be uh, with people who, who get it. And I think our team at Care Oncology really get it. We actually, um, you know, there's this further alignment too, because, you know, Care Oncology, we're taking care of a lot of people who, you know, maybe most people come to us with stage four disease and have already like failed or, yeah. you know, failed once or twice yeah. and they're, they're looking for options. Um, uh, and we're s slowly getting more understanding of people coming earlier. And, uh, and we try to work our best with, you know, to be a sounding board to say, ask your doctor about this. By the way, you know, you, you really don't want to miss out on this standard of care therapy. It's, it's, it's easy and it works. And the goal is to fix this so you never have to deal with it again. Uh, and then there are times where like, ask these questions to better clarify what you're getting into because most of our team has, you know, seen everything. They're mm. all veterans. They're all in it because of the mission. So, um, so that's been great, but wow. we, we merged with a company called Stage Zero Life Sciences. So they, they're bigger than us and a 20-year-old company. Yeah. We, that happened, I think, September 2nd of, of 21 last wow. year. So that's brought even another twist to the path uh, that I think is very favorable. They, they uh, are a really smart group of people, unlike us knuckle-dragon clinicians, <laughs> that have you know understood you know, complicated math and, and biology. And over the last 20 years have worked on, you know, basically the area about blood biopsy, a, a blood test oh, that wow. looks at early signals in the blood that can predict the evolution to chronic disease or, or specifically cancer. Um, this is so they, This is yeah, really yeah. next so, level. And, and cause we had already talked about at care oncology to, to, to get in front of this by having a, you know, a lower dose metabolic protocol with prescription drugs and, and supplements and lifestyle coaching to, you know, prevent uh, the development to disease or cancer. And so this really put that into perspective and, and gelled it together. Since then, uh, 
uh, stage zero life sciences has a bunch of tests. They have a single test for breast, colon sentry, uh, and then breast sentry, colon sentry, and prostate PHI. But their bigger test is called Aristotle. Uh-huh. And it's based on, uh, real briefly, I don't want to get into the weeds too much, well, but it's based I'm, I'm on... I'm interested in the weeds. That's cool. Sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's based on uh, quantitative uh, RNA expression analysis in white blood cells. So it looks at what proteins the white blood cells are making. The white blood cells are sort of mm. like our, our sentry system that float around the body, mm-hmm. you know, uh, every eight seconds to 10 Looking. seconds, depending on your heart rate, it's circulating. And uh, they've been able to look at a big block of cancer patients and people with other chronic diseases and blinded patients with these with this Aristotle blood test done. And with high specificity and fairly good sensitivity, been able to predict uh, the path toward or the presence of, uh, well, in, in women, it's about 55 to 60% of the cancer. In men, it's about 50% of the cancers. Then, uh, wow. of course, we're, we're, they're chasing new sites all the time to get you know, further blood validation. And Aristotle, we want to get lung and we want to get pancreas. Those are two biggies. And, and, uh, and so to further validate it for more cancers. So that is rolling out in the U.S. And we are sort of the, since we have physician licensure in every state and part of Canada, you know, we're sort of the, the, sort of the people in the trenches helping uh, discuss that with patients after they get the test uh, wow. and, and whatnot. And so it, it's a really neat patient journey. And, and so, you know, like, is that available internationally as well? Just for you know, people listening to this are going, I want so, to get that test. <laughs> yeah, you know, so can we, I? Because this is going to be a preemptive strike, isn't it? Stage zero, yeah. stage zero life sciences is going to catch cancer before it's become a proper thing in the body. Yeah, and, it, and so you know, our our CEO is from Canada. Our you know, uh, our other half of the team is in the UK and they cover most of Europe with their licensures. So it's soon to roll out. Uh, they're looking for a lab in, uh, we have a big lab in Richmond, Virginia that processes this with, uh, you know, the best PCR technology. Uh, it's called next generation sequencing. And then we're, you know, also hoping to roll it out in Europe. And then we have contacts in Australia. And other places yeah. in the country. Oh, yeah, yeah, our CEO is working on that. Yeah, New Zealand wow. possibly. And then also um, uh, the, the the other product is we're rolling out now in the U.S. just this month and soon in the U.K. is called AVERT. And I, I got to say how it's yeah. it's not – it's the acronym AVRTnow.com. And AVRTnow.com is exciting to me because it's – it's going to also help prevent a lot of things. And there may be people who go through avert that, uh, you know, might want to, because they perceive a, a greater than normal cancer risk, do an Aristotle or yep. colon century or something like that. But um, the, the process is exciting. Uh, patients find us through word of mouth. We have a very loyal following with 80% people continuing to work with us with the treatment side. Uh, on care oncology, uh, they would do a, 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 they would find our website, 
avertnow.com or Care Oncology mm-hmm. or Stage Zero. Any of those can divert it to. Mm-hmm. And then avertnow.com, yeah, they would sign up for a manager interview and, and that would better explain it. And then they would fill out a long survey that goes right into a database with a lot of stuff that would be important in looking at, you know, predicted health outcomes. And then they, you know, go to a quest lab in their state and uh, get a battery of bloods drawn. And, and, and that battery is then put into this, you know, this uh, algorithm that our team has put together mm-hmm. and they're standard bloods, but they're looked at in different ways with mm-hmm. validated predictive models on longevity and then they wow. get a printout of their cancer risk and it's kind of nice little visual with like these, we call them donuts, but they're these little pinwheels that have some version of green, amber, and red. Green is good. Amber is intermediate. Red is needs some work for metabolic risk, inflammatory risk, oh, and really? cancer risk. And then it's there's other so things fine. too. So yeah, so then they have a 30-minute physician visit and it's not a hello, goodbye, go get this. It's an engaged back and forth discussion, which really helps compliance. And then they are issued, might be just lifestyle modifications all the way to, you know, hey, you you got some serious risk here. Um, I know you, you know, you've kept up with your standard screening, but uh, it looks like under the hood here, there's some, you know, concerns. Yeah, it might be, you know, some of the care oncology prescription medicines or plus uh, some vetted supplements that have great long-term data. Uh, and, and then they meet again in three months and repeat the labs and try to get those dials all green. Wow. And uh, the beauty of it is, you know, from, from mm-hmm. someone that's always had a frugal mom and grew up in a big family and, and uh, is that it's, it's very available. It's like, I don't want to quote it wrong. It's just over three hundred dollars US, really, for the for the, know, the initial these, test. Yeah, these blood tests would probably cost way more than three hundred if you just went into you know a self lab place like my labs anytime or something like that. But the 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 wow. put them in the algorithm, the you know the physician visit, the manager inquiry, the labs. So we want to make this affordable and available so that we can get in front of this crisis. Uh, wow. I'm blown away by that because that to me is like, like I do epigenetic testing and DNA testing as part of my company and, mm-hmm. and help with people be in that preventative space. And that gives me information about their genetics and what they can do to optimize their genetics, right, which is fantastic. But to have mm-hmm. the next level of the bloods and to be able to see changes in the actual blood markers and, and stuff, that's mind-blowing yeah. because then you're ahead of the curve. Because most people, like I'm working with lots of people with cancer patients, with people with head injuries, strokes, uh, as well as athletes, um, most people don't see like I can, I can look at someone and already know if certain things are going on just from the way they look. Sure. Um, and, but most people aren't aware of the changes that are taking place in their body or they know that, hey, at 40 I started putting on weight and I started, you know, not feeling so great. But they just think that's aging and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, yeah. Whereas this is in that whole preventative and this is what's actually like the proof of the changes happening and what you yeah. can actually do about it. That's and, and, and people can see it too. And, and 
you know, we, you know, we, we had a lot of healthy debate about, well, do we want to get some of these more nuanced tests to, uh, that are expensive? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that, that would be, but we, we found that the data is very rich if you, in, in, a, in its predictive capacity on metabolic and inflammatory dysfunction um, in, in, in through family history and biometric measures too. Yeah, you know, yeah. Blood That's pressure, exactly what we do. Yeah. you know, yeah. waist to height measurements and, you know, abdominal circumference, things like that. Yep. And so we, we hope to get in front of it. And in, in addition to the, you know, the compliance with cancer testing, you know, most of our current screening methods kind of look for anatomical findings and whatnot. And of course, you know, we, you know, we, I don't want to dismiss some of the gains in cancer care and whatnot. Uh, you know, the death from cancer is reducing slowly, but more people are getting it. And mm. also, you know, its impact financially and oh. emotionally on people's lives is pretty devastating. And we mm. don't have to go too deep into that uh, with our current availability of treatments. Uh, yeah. I think one out of three women with breast cancer become you know, bankrupt from, you know, their experience. Uh, so, so, you know, with the blood biopsies, first of all, you know, people are more comfortable with that. Number mm. two, you know, it, it can be done at a doctor's office or, well, the, the, the patient journey or the customer journey with the testing is, is real exciting. It's people find us, they uh, do a management intake. And of course, if they have any existing history of cancer, they're excluded. If they, you know, haven't done the standard screening, we encourage them to do that and they're sort of excluded. And, um, and, and then they, once that manager interview realizes that they're a pretty good candidate, a physician looks it over and verifies that and issues the lab test and they might get it at, you know, a, a doctor's office, or we can, we can also have a phlebotomist go to their home or, uh, you know, a, a lab drawing location. And then after the lab test is done, similar to avert now, they meet with a physician and it's not a hello, goodbye, you know, like a lot of the yeah. new oh, internet it. options yeah. are for medical people where you fill out a form and somebody checks it and, you know, it's, it's an assembly line. Actually meet with, uh, I met with a Aristotle patient, uh, on Tuesday of this week and, uh, he, he had some interesting history factors to him and it wasn't just, you know, here's the results. Goodbye. We'll send it to you with a letter. There was a lot of, you know, back and forth discussion. And I think we spent 30 minutes on the phone and then we have a nurse follow up in, in six weeks to see what their progress is to once again, try to nail down compliance and also, you know, anonymously, of course, and HIPAA compliant, of course, put it in our database to further, validate, you know, the numbers and whatnot. The original Aristotle study was based on 5,000 plus patients. Uh, the colon century was based on 9,000 patients and over 100,000 have actually already received colon century. Wow. Uh, so, so is, is this available when my brain's going, I want that, I want that for mum too, or I want that for me. <laughs> How, is mm-hmm. that available internationally or do you have to be in the States to have the right blood test taken? Right now, the stage zero tests are really just available in the U.S., and we're hoping to expand okay. that over time. Um, 
and we're working on that quickly. You know, we're definitely like care oncology, okay. and I can't quote this track. We have sort sorry, of, uh, you know, n- novel use patents for the four drugs for their impact on cancer in in the U.S. and Canada, but also many other states around uh, many many other countries as well, thinking ahead, and and then our prevention protocol is is as well, but. Um, and so we're hoping to roll this out sooner to make it available. It's affordable and it's easy, and we think it will, yeah, you know, help people that. find things earlier. So one of the problems is that, you know, sometimes we have a positive test, and we have to remind people that it can predict, you know, patterns before it's physically manifested. And it's you're, you're what? That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that they need to do a gut check, so to speak, on, you know, how their physical and their lifestyle strategies are. And secondly, continue to get that part of the body screened for 18 months to two years and maybe repeat an Aristotle again to, to, you know, verify it's negative. So, so, uh, this is super exciting of our company, uh, the cancer testing, the prevention protocol and then the cancer treatment. Uh, so this is just so program. great because it, it, the earlier we can get cancer or the changes that lead towards cancer, then the, you know, the likelihood of survival is just, you know, much, oh, much, yeah. much higher. And then like you say, like, uh, you know, since mum's had her cancer, it's cost us a damn fortune. You know, we had to, sure. you know, we've, we've spent a lot of money trying to save her life. And this is the thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, you do you, whatever it takes. But um, people need to understand, like, sometimes an ounce of prevention could, could save you financially as well as actually sure. health. Because I have this argument with people, with people all the time. And it's like, you know, um, yes, these tests are expensive. Yes, the supplements. Yes, the right food is all going to be expensive. And the gym membership, maybe the whatever is, you know, a good idea. But it's a hell of a lot cheaper than than trying yeah. to fix it once the cat's out of the bag. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, this is Colon Cancer Awareness Month, uh, and. With colon cancer, you know, it's true of many of the cancers. If you find it in stage one, you have a greater than 90% cure, which usually is just, you know, a surgery at most. And then if you find it in stage four, the cure rate drops down to the mid-teens and, you know, wow. you're never off treatment and you will spend a fortune. Uh, I always say, you know, your health is your first wealth. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's, a, there's like an, you know, a, a saying that, you know, a, a healthy person has multiple wishes and ideas. A sick person only has one wish, and that's to get better again. So, yeah. as you implied, you know, early spending of dedication of time and money pays off. Uh, and I think that's, that, that goes across the board, not just with cancer, but just, you know, being mm-hmm. in that whole, you know, um, uh, situation the whole way through life is being in that mindset of how can I save myself uh, future problems and you can't mm-hmm. I mean I mean life will throw curveballs at you that come sideways at you on a Tuesday afternoon when you weren't looking but sure. um, if you can at least be uh, up on things and this is why I'm a big proponent of people even just getting basic blood tests every three months you know mm-hmm. and that's quite a that's quite a 
you go to the doctors, most of the time the doctors will go, no, you don't need one, you know, you don't need a blood test. Or if you're within the ranges, on the normal ranges on your blood test, yeah, you're fine. And I'm like, well, hang on a minute, not quite, you know. Uh, there's, 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 there's optimal. So I think being in that whole I want to optimise rather than I want to, you know, be the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff and – the, the, there's there's problems with the, the resources and so on to to, to yeah. do this, but it's a, it's a little bit ass about face if you ask me because it costs a lot more to, when you've got a person, even for the system, it costs a lot lot more to fix something when someone is actually sick rather than being in that preventative, you know, space yeah. and, and catching something early and then you'd save them all the suffering, but you've also saved the system a lot of money. Um, oh, yeah. But it, it, it's it's not encouraged even to to go and get you know some of your nutrient profiles done or you know your blood tests done on a regular basis. Uh, I had a, um, a client recently who had a, a baby with a head injury and um, her blood sugar regulation was really you know impaired from the injury and they were just ignoring it and and I said go and get a blood glucose monitor and monitor at home you know. And the, the arguments are that you don't need a blood glucose monitor. Why would you need that? You know, and it's like, yeah, because that, you know, and she ended up nearly in a coma with a blood glucose level of 2.3 and that, you know, wow, <laughs> three year old baby, you know, like, um, why not? And, and I, you know, like things like constant glucose monitors and, and things like that that we have now that we can actually use or ketone monitors yeah. or all these things. That just it's like we don't drive our car without knowing what's under the dashboard, you know. Bingo. Yeah. We, and, but we drive our bodies without knowing what's going on inside. And when you go to ask for I want to have a look under the hood, you're often met with, with opposition. No, you know. And and mm-hmm. I, I think that's just uh, you know, it's it's saving money in the wrong place. <laughs> Just interrupting the program briefly to let you know that we have a new patron program for the podcast. Now, if you enjoy pushing the limits, if you get great value out of it, we would love you to come and join our patron membership program. We've been doing this now for five and a half years and we need your help to keep it on air. It's been a public service free for everybody and we want to keep it that way. But to do that, we need like-minded souls who are on this mission with us to help us out. So if you're interested in becoming a patron for Pushing the Limits podcast, then check out everything on patron.lisatamati.com. That's P-A-T-R-O-N dot lisatamati.com. We have two patron levels to choose from. You can do it for as little as $7 a month New Zealand or $15 a month if you really want to support us. So we, we are grateful if you do. There are so many membership benefits you're going to get if you join us. Everything from workbooks for all the podcasts, the strength guide for runners, uh, the power to vote on future episodes, uh, webinars that we're going to be holding, all of my documentaries and much, much more. So check out all the details, patron.lisatamati.com and thanks very much for joining us. <laughs> well, and it, it's 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 a challenge for you know physicians. Uh, you almost got to be a sort of a outlier or a you know, black sheep to sort of question some of the things. And um, you know, like and in, in I was always sort of a margin outlier in my <laughs> care pattern in our group. I was the the weird guy that talked about all these you know 
things that we didn't get paid for and took more time. And, but they were yeah. part of my wiring and DNA and it was a life I lived. And, and I think uh, I probably would have burned some bridges at the hospital that I was the director of the cancer center, or I was in a group of 36 really sharp doctors by the time I retired, but I didn't complain much. And I was always one of the busiest and, uh, you know, never had any, you know, I had a lot of good outcomes. And I would always tell the youngest doctors that, you know, that some of the times the biggest win, meaning the, the biggest, uh, most favorable outcome were times where I, you know, went off the standard yep. of care guidelines and either rounded down or rounded up yep. uh, to sort of <clears throat> customize it to the patient. And, and mm-hmm. unfortunately, that's not discouraged. Uh, excuse me, that's not encouraged today. Yep. It's always guideline, guideline, guideline. Yep. And um, we have huge issues you know, with that. <laughs> yeah. And, There's got to so, be personalization. We live in an age of personalization. You know, yeah, like, yeah. And, and not everybody's a candidate. You know, the studies are done on people with cancer who can run marathons. Uh, you know, they, they have a lot of exclusion criteria so that, you know, they, you get the fittest of the fit and then it's applied to everyone. Oh, wow. And sometimes it's too much or too little. Uh, secondly, you know, to people will always tell our patient population. I have this discussion with someone last night, my last patient of the day. He's like, well, I'm going to go back and talk to my hematologist and see what they think about your four drugs. And he's got recently diagnosed CLL. There's no initial therapy because he's not that symptomatic, but he's got a, you know, an escalating white count. And he's a young person. He's in his 40s. And, uh, and so we talked about general health issues, but he said, well, I'll see what they say. I said, well, they're going to probably yeah. tell you there's no randomized data to support that. Which really means, you know, it's not that it doesn't work, but we just haven't spent a half a million, half a billion dollars to maybe a billion dollars in five to eight years to prescribe four drugs that help virtually everything else and have a lot of like secondary mechanistic data to say there's something here. And, um, and it's, you know, customized and followed. We follow people's, you know, on the care program, we follow people's liver function test is part of the the payment in the CBC. So it's, uh, you know, there's no extra work by the patient or the, it's the, just the, uh, the local me. physicians. Yeah. So, but they'll always get those feedbacks. And uh, it's, of it's course, frustrating. <laughs> and so it, it's, it's tough on patients because they're, they're, they yeah, which do the, doctor do I believe? Which yeah. Do I, yeah. And, I mean, I've, you know, with my journeys, I, I'm, you know, I'm a very extreme person. So I, 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 what I do is I go and get a team of people. I get, like, on mum's case, there's 12 doctors and they all come from different backgrounds and they wow. all have, and <clears throat> cost fortune, obviously. Um, but I get information from each of them and every time I come up against a problem, so I act like the, the, the CEO of the, of the pr- project, if you like, or mm-hmm. the <laughs> chief operating officer, I get all this information. Okay, I've got a problem come up. <clears throat> what do I do here? I get the opinions from different ones and then I make, I make the decision as to where, which ones I implement, which, I, which ones I don't. And by having different protocols developed and so, and so on, then um, I can see where there's crossover, where there's not, where there's a risk. Uh, you know, and then mm-hmm. I've got the subjective. I'm with her 24 seven. I see her and I have her, uh, you know, observing her from a clinical perspective every day. 
And that, of course, is not doable for the doctors. They can't see the nuance of the changes. So if I add in a a supplement or a drug and I see in the next two days a change in her, I can go, whoa, hang on a minute, there's something, maybe this isn't okay for her, and then I'll go back and have a you know, discussion around maybe this one wasn't so great. Oh, yeah, maybe we can back off this one. Maybe we'll add mm-hmm. that one. And so I've got a protocol now with about 28 different um, uh, supplements and another, what have we got, eight or nine drugs in the mix, and those are things are changing as uh, over time. And I'm putting different things in the mix. I have a mix of conventional and is, you know, as well mm-hmm. as, as stuff. And for me, it's always like the risk versus reward profile. Okay. And when you're dealing with someone who is terminally, you said to be terminally ill, which I disagree with anyway from the basis sure. of, um, <laughs> because you put She's that in your head. twice now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've heard that before. Um, and, and my mum is just such a legend, you know, when she comes out of the doctor's office, you know, four or five times last year, oh, you're terminally ill, Mrs. Tamati, you should go home and make sure you, you know, get your affairs in order and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And mum just comes out going, ah, they, they don't know you, <laughs> they don't know your team, and they're not going, and I'm not buying into that. And, you know. Sure, we're, with you, yeah. yeah. I mean, she can. You can still die. And she knows that, and she knows the risks, and so on. But when you buy into that diagnosis, you are almost cursing yourself. And this is where I think having the the Travis Christophersons of the world, the, the you know radical version books, the, the all sure. these people who have beaten the odds, those are the ones I'd rather focus on. And I understand that the doctors can't give you false hope because that would be wrong. But it's also not good to take away all hope and to give oh, no. a certain yeah. timeline, you know, like. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think a lot of physicians, you know, understand the, the kind of the nocebo effect, the, yeah. you know, the unfavorable influence they might bring upon someone by telling them, you know, all the bad things that can happen. And uh, there's an art to sort of bringing yeah. up possibilities, but offering hope and optimism and and expressing that clearly it, it it's unfortunately it takes time and and thoughtfulness yeah. and a physician engagement which our current system you know, is sort of challenging the the availability of that you you uh yeah, of it's, course. it's all about quick visits it's all about checking these boxes mm. and so these are the pain points that i saw in the system i frequently f- thought i you know, you know, like in the treatment of standard of care with some tumors, it's almost like you're telling people about it, but you feel like you're walking them off a cliff because the success rates are so poor without adding different things. So, you know, I, yeah. I really like where we are. And you, you point out a, an issue there, you know, with a lot of our society, not just with medicine, but uh, with, with many topics, um, is what I call sort of the, the tyranny of sort of yes, no, binary, on, yeah. off, yeah. Know, dichotomous decision-making. Yeah. Either it's all this or it's all this. Yeah. can't be any in-between. And, and, and a lot of us, you know, a lot of people have to sort of commit to that thinking. You're, you're, you know, you're either uh, open-minded to using every vaccine that comes in the world or yeah. you're an anti-vaxxer that yeah. should be hung and, <laughs> you know, and and so it's you know totally it's like agree. let's be thoughtful about this and there is a lot of gray area and that's most of the world uh, on topics that we deal with politics 
and yeah. uh, medicine. And I love it. So I want to, I always remind people that there's probably not one right answer. It's, it's kind of what we know today with the evidence available. These are the cost benefit ratios. And like you decide, you mentioned with patients, a big part of what we do is say, uh, you've read about all these supplements. Your body is, you know, not all bodies are the same. You know, you're, mm. you, all things get, you know, metabolized and processed through the liver and excreted yep. by the Doing kidney. Yep. And so we have to do this incrementally. And, uh, you know, your liver is not the same as everybody at 50 because of your past history. It might be better than some, might be worse. So everybody's sort of an experiment of one. And, and I also mentioned that, you know, we have a lot of preclinical data to say that, you know, this drug or this supplement or this combination may, you know, impact this pathway if in certain cancers measured. But it's hard to extrapolate that always to human data. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and a lot of, you know, we, we don't have ways to measure, you know, what, what metabolic pathways your cancer is utilizing, uh, or especially in different parts of the body, if it's metastatic, uh, think about it. You know, we know that a PET scan shows sort of overuse of glucose to make energy, and that's sort of a big gross thing, but it doesn't tell us, you know, if it's burning fatty acids or if it's burning yeah. certain amino acids like glutamine or methionine. Yep. It's only really a, an extrapolation for some animal data. Now, someday we may have signatures of what's going on. It will probably be different if you have a metastasis in the liver, the interstitium will affect it differently yep. than a metastasis in the lung or the bone. And someday we may be able to kind of crack those codes, but right now, a lot of it's extrapolation. So everybody's sort of experiment of one. Yep. You got to, you know, sort of reiterate what's safe and healthy for them to take. And that's what I liked about Jay McClellan's work was, you know, she's got all these 20 different pathways of metabolic pathways that the cancer can use. And she's working out, and again, it's an ongoing, evolving science, but which of the pathways are likely to be implicated in this type of cancer and so the, which ones we can go after and which ones are the secondary mm-hmm. ones and so on. And that was quite, you know, mind-boggling for me to try to work that out, um, which are the pathways that are likely to be implicated in mum's specific cancer. And I know, look, you know, from talking to other cancer patients too, they're a little bit like, well, that's, I get it, but uh, which one do I go after? <laughs> you know, yeah, those, and it's, it's a bit overwhelming with some, yeah. Yeah, and you, that combination of drugs that, that you have, that's a good place to start. I mean, I think that's, mm-hmm. you know, blocking off some of the major pathways or, or lessening them so that we can at least get on top of it. Um, and uh, it, it is really like when you're dealing with someone like mum who's 80 years old, who's got a prior aneurysms and brain injuries sure. and so on, what do I put in the mix there versus a 20-year-old who's got another, you know, mm-hmm. there's a – uh, and, and I love that that what you said about like the the nuance of the conversation is missing in all of our things. You know, like with the current you know COVID pandemic stuff. It's it's there is I have issue when well I have issue when politicians tell people what to do rather than doctors because the doctors are trained mm-hmm. medically to 
to do the best with their singular patient, right? Their one-on-one patient. Mm-hmm. I think when when um, a, a polit- politics comes into it, and and I, I, I get the whole premise of it, but it really should be come down to the one-on-one discussion with your doctor. Is this right for me? Because yeah. there is so much nuance. Like why, you know, like putting um, a vaccine into an eighty-year-old patient with cancer versus a five-year-old Asian child with nothing. Like there is difference. You know, sure. Um, and, and being deep in the the epigenetics and DNA field, you know, I, I see this every day. The 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 nuance between people, and that one thing that works for him won't work for her, and so yeah. on. Even on an exercise and food basis, like there is no one magic diet. So there is no one magic. Oh sure. Exercise. It's all personalized to the person. Yeah, and I, people people always say, "Gee, doc, you know what diet?" You know, a lot of people come to us and say. You know, I, doctor, I'm on the anti-cancer diet. I've gone plant-based and I'm, you know, having breakfast with oatmeal and a lot of fruit and orange juice. And, you know, I'm yeah. eating lentils for lunch and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having, you know, salads and smoothies for dinner. And yeah. I'm, I'm like sugar, 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 sugar. And, yeah. and, and so I kind of talk to the challenges of getting good data from people's, you know, population dietary studies. I also, you know, acknowledge that, you know, most plant-based proteins come with carbohydrates. Yeah. So that's a bit of the challenge. Yeah. And and, um, so, and we also need to caution people that if you're really low on your range on the BMI and you're threatening cachexia, if they're having ongoing treatment with cancer and whatnot, you know, that's a kind of a, a boogeyman in the closet that yep. cachexia uh, or which is loss of muscle mass, loss of immune function is sort of the, the cause of demise in estimated yeah. 30 to 50% of patients. So as you said earlier, so well, there's not one size fit all. I always say, you know, you, I think the best diet for you would be, I named their last name, the diet that, works for where you are, your cultural wishes and wants, your your work schedule, your family schedule, uh, your weight to proper BMI and, and sarcopenia is a real concern with our Absolutely. cancer patients. Mm-hmm. And, um, and try to sort of reset that. And it kind of, they usually see some relief and it's usually some, you know, blend of intermittent fasting mm-hmm. with clean you know, animal protein, a lot of clean, healthy fats, uh, with, you know, with some, a lot of green leafies. I call those the yep. sort of the, the Trojan horses that carry fat in your body. You layer them with coconut, olive, avocado oil, you know, you know, you know grass fed, grass finished butter, things butter. like that. Yep. So and, uh, and then some lower, lower fructose laden fruits, um, you know, from time to time. And then, uh, couple that with, exercise strategies before and after like if you have a three or four egg omelet tomorrow at noon you know do a you know a a micro workout you know with the stretchy banner dumbbells you know five minute workout to activate those muscles so that they say you know hey lisa (laughs) yeah yeah hey lisa you know this is getting hard when you get to the point of adaption you know those muscle fibers uh you know send signals to draw more amino acids to their rescue and, um, you know, in, while we're on this topic, I, I think there's 
a big feature that people forget, you know, that, you know, our, our muscles are the biggest organ in the body. They, mm-hmm. they uh, can take up blood nutrients without insulin or insulin growth factor. So they're sort of the metabolic neutralizer mm. of, of, you know, our blood sugars. And uh, if they're dormant, if they're, you know, low in their percentage body weight, you know, there's all these metrics of muscle quality, muscle percent body weight, muscle integrity on CT that show better outcomes with cancer patients. Wow. And I think it's more so not that they're innately strong or something, but I think it's also a fact that they have a, a you know, a, a big hungry appetite at the table to compete with the nutrients that could go to the cancer. And so that's why I think, you know, that's, activity and, wow, that's and an exercises. Wow, that's interesting concept. Yeah. Is so important, uh, and all, you know, and then that, when I say that, I always kind of remind people, you know, keeping the rule, the economy of balance, you know, we have, and I'm sure you do too. You have people that say, you know, Hey Lisa, you know, I'm dealing with this malady. I'm doing saunas in the morning. I'm doing the hyperbaric in the afternoon. (laughs) I'm exercising twice a day. I'm intermittent fasting. I'm taking this handful of supplements you know, I'm, I'm doing red light, you know, every other day and I'm all these. I wish, and I all wish the, they were doing all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, all those are sort of hermetic challenges to the body, meaning they, yeah. they, they bump the body to kind of get it off guard to then let it recover and get stronger. Mm. And, you know, the old adage is, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yeah. But sometimes if you do too much, it might kill you. So, oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's a reason, you know. <laughs> there's that balance. So, yeah. And you're talking to an ultra marathoner who spent 25 years not being balanced. <laughs> yeah. So, so you want to keep that in balance. And I yeah. always say, are you looking forward to your, your meals? Are you sleeping okay? Are you, you know, are you feeling good about some joy in your life? Are you, uh, you know, feeling replenished? Keep that as sort of your barometers. I tell people to have sort of, whether it's simple or complicated, some, you know, some exercise metric. Like I can walk to the corner yeah. and back without any trouble and then some and try to add to it. And so ultimately, I, my, my personal strategy is to try to get people to look at this foul ball in life. And I'm talking more about our cancer treatment group and, and look at it. And this sounds pretty lame coming from somebody who's not in the middle of chemotherapy. And I say that, but look at it as an opportunity. Look at it as a, an, you know, a odyssey and an expedition where you're going to learn a lot about yourself. You're going to hopefully emerge stronger, stronger physically, yeah. yep. smarter, intellectually and wiser. That that's more about spirituality in your soul than you were before. And And if you can get them having that growth, mindset versus your closing things down mindset you have an opportunity and so you should have you're a good coach (laughs) yeah yeah and 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 and, you know and and so just getting people to take a switch where they look at something and say i'm not going to be fearful i'm going to look at this as a challenge that in itself can like you know change everything so that's sort of the goal yeah yeah it's the challenge so, versus threat, I call that when I'm coaching. Yeah, 
So you change Bingo. the perception of what you're going through is from being this threat to being this challenge and this odyssey, this adventure that you're on, and there's a reason for it. And so, like with, with, with you know, mum's story, the initial story with the aneurysm, I had the vision of my mum walking, talking, being normal, mm-hmm. you know, having her full life back. The reality was she couldn't put food in her mouth, couldn't chew, couldn't control any bodily functions, had no idea who she was, what she was. She was like a baby. But I kept that vision in my mind the whole way. And everybody along the way were like, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. It's impossible. Just give up. Put her in a home, blah, blah, blah. You know, and, yeah. and, and, and so you're being shaken and then you would have months with no progress and months with no wow. seeing and you're putting through, putting it through a really rigorous regime every day that is quite hard. You know, it's a hard, torturous mm-hmm. regime of training. Survival is of, hard. It's very hard. And people will be criticizing me. Why are you, why are you putting her through that torture? Why don't you just let her be? And, you know, she's not ever going to, you're not going to get her back anyway. What's the point? And I just, I'm a fighter from, by nature, mm-hmm. I'm a fighter. And I come from a long line of warriors. And we just don't, I just don't have that mentality to quit, right? So that right. can be a negative sometimes when you should know when to quit. But <laughs> but most of the time, that's a really valuable thing to have when you have that one vision and nobody can shake you from that vision when your why is big enough. You know, my yes. why was big because it was my mum, right? So yep. I would fight with everything I had to get her back. And we got there. And, and then, and then I'm, I'm like, I had the vision of writing the book of helping other people and this story is going to help others. And this is the reason why we're going through that. And I'm taking the same approach with this cancer journey that we're in the middle of. It's the same thing. You know, we Mm -hmm. are, and I'm already doing that. I'm already helping. I'm, you know, interviewing you today as part of that mission. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. You're a part of this mission of mine to get this information out there now that I know how important and beneficial it is and people need to know this. That's part of my now, my, my mission to get this metabolic approach out to people, you know, and yeah. this is being, that's, that's like the attitude that you take when you do that is not one of, well, we're defeated, mum's going to die. It's a, a, we're out there fighting and mum's a fantastic role model. And when I put up a post about mum doing something on Instagram, it goes bananas, you know. Mm-hmm. When, I, when I put a photo of me running or something, I couldn't give a, give, give a shit, really. But, you know, yeah. <laughs> but we mum's on a, doing something. God, I love this bad. story. It's awesome. And I love your, 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 your warrior symbolism. And that's amazing. And you said something there that really, you know, goes to the heart of what, you know, I try to do as I get to know people. And you and I know that not everybody kind of has this sort of growth mindset. And sometimes you just got to meet people where you are, but, but if you can get people to peel off the layers and, you know, identify and, and link with their why, their purpose for being here. There's some great opportunities. And I, I always say, well, why do you want to beat this cancer? And they'll say, well, oh, oh yeah, your, big well, six. your big six. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I yeah. listen to, tell us about your big six. Well, you can remember you know, all the- so, yeah. So, you know, I, this is before care oncology and for the 10 years prior to that, you know, I would always kind of get on the board and I had it, printed out so I could give them to that, you know, there's some key things that might help you get through this course, uh, this course of treatment better. And, and the B is for breath. And I teach them about nostril breathing and, and uh, how 
important that is. And secondly, the I is for ingest real food, you know, and that can lead to the best blends of fats and proteins and, and low carb and also ingest real water. And it's about a morning hydration strategy with electrolytes. And, um, you know, the G is for get moving. Uh, you know, there's, you know, nobody gets through it successfully without maintaining and enhancing their, their functionality. And, and that will also, as we talked about in many ways, you know, correlates with good outcomes with cancer as well as, you know, I get, I give out stretchy bands. I got a bunch here that I gave at the cancer center with sort of six basic exercises on it. Wow. And, um, the, the, the S is for, uh, sleep, how important it is to, to recover and to not live on the other side of the clock and get your biology and chronorhythms right. Um, and the, the next I is for, uh, intent. And I teach people, uh, to sort of create a mental movie of them doing things they like in the future, looking strong, looking vital, looking back on this cancer wow. and, 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 and always following through with their personal mission for a cause greater than themselves. And it might just be that. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, solving world peace, but it might be teaching a grandson to fish or cut the grass the right way or something is seemingly small as that, but important as that. Uh, and then the final X is for, you know, exceptional love. And so, you know, I, I kind of go to people, I say, you know, we've told people that social isolation is a predictor of demise greater than smoking three packs of cigarettes a day. And, wow. You know, it's hard to imagine smoking 60 cigarettes a day or even in a life. But, um, you know, we don't talk about what is social engagement or social engagement on steroids. So I give people the example of, you know, you know, looking for opportunities. I call it looking for those yellow cars. If you bought a yellow car, you'll see them everywhere. Yep. If you, if you look for kindness and generosity and beauty and, and love and our human to human interactions and also our human to dog interactions and cats, <laughs> but if you look for it, you will find it. And if you, when you find it, when you find it, you want to not just notice it and move on. You want to rev it up. You want to really you know, catalyze it and accelerate it and really wow. get that mojo going. And when you really feel it, I encourage them to metaphorically in their mind's eye, grab it and link it to their own health and vitality for a future cause bigger than themselves and pull it into their heart space. And that is a powerful resource that is so underlooked and never pulled out of the toolbox. And so, you know, people sometimes look at me like, you're really woo-woo. And then yeah. I explained uh, quantum physics and how this is now measurable. Mm. Uh, but but um, so I try to give people a little bit of a roadmap to, to use the tools that are available. Once again, the, the energetic spiritual tools, the intention setting, the staying in parasympathetic balance, yep. food, exercise, sleep, breath, all those things. I'm going to pinch that big six because that's just such a beautiful um, acronym to really yeah. put. A, a, and that's actually a whole life philosophy in, in two words, mm -hmm. which is really, really easy for people to, to think about. And I think, you know, especially in this day and age where at the moment where the world is in absolute you know chaos, let's be honest, um, 
Yep. There is so many things, and I find myself doing it too, you know, where you're moaning about every bloody thing that's going on and the negative and the horrible things that are happening in the world and the people that are less than nice. Um, and you focus in on the negative and you've got to pull yourself back. And I love just, you know, if I'm going to the park with mum and walking and just looking at the flowers and seeing the yeah. birds flying and actually just trying to be in the moment because you, we're very much, oh, God, you know, all of this is happening mm-hmm. and it's very frightening and it's uncertain and we're dealing with, you know, so much stresses throughout the day, each and every one of us in some way, shape or form. Um, and this, our, our, our ancient biology is not used to this massive influx of information change uncertainty all yeah. the time we used to have a life that was the same pretty much day in day out which had changed a little bit with the seasons that was it um, now we've got this chaos of change coming at us so we need to really purposefully go looking for the beauty and things the beautiful flower sure. the lovely the, the cuddling the cat that cut you know when i cuddle my cat my heart rate goes down that's oh, yeah. impacting my immune system. That's impacting my sleep. Mm-hmm. That's impacting everything, you know, cuddling the baby, cuddling mum, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it is that, that gets you calmed down. And I think th- to focus in on that was a good reminder for me because I know that, you know, it's very easy to forget that whole. Yeah. In, in the side. rush of trying to do, you know, that big checklist Mission. that, you know, you're doing with all the supplements. <laughs> Sometimes you can forget some of these, you know, yep. some of the reason you're doing all that. And, um, yeah, you know, our, we've, we've changed a lot in the last hundred years. Um, midnight used to be the middle of the night. Now it's sort of, uh, almost when you turn off Netflix or something. So, yeah, uh, yeah. and that's real important to get those basic fundamentals back in dealing with cancer. Uh, so, so I'm hoping that, um, Along the way that, you know, talking to people like you that also spread the word that we can, you know, get back to this wholesome blend of cutting edge therapies that are available and the ones that are useful and and some of the core fundamental things that are so important. And one of the things that I think our doctor group helps bring, having worked in the uh, you know, standard of care world and big hospitals, but also doing a lot of complementary integrative metabolic strategies is that they can help people prioritize things because you can't do everything. You can't afford everything. Uh, not everybody has like a, a, a brilliant health coach and, 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 and is sort of warrior like yourself. And so we try to meet people where they are. And, uh, and I, I'm very proud of care oncology and I, I think it's, I tell my poor wife, I said, you know, I know you thought we were going to retire. I'm 63, uh, but she knows, she goes, no, 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 no. You'll never retire. Yeah. You're just gonna, you know, and I think, you know, when you do surrender and, and, you know, for me, I know I would slowly melt inside if I kind of quit Absolutely. doing what I think to be my mission. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, your knowledge and your skill and your wisdom and your experience would just be, you'd, the world would lose so much if you retire. You just can't afford to. Okay. So you just have to stay at it. And I think also, you, you, you know, when you, 
when you retire is also, you know, like you, you're always going to be on a mission because you're obviously a brilliant yeah. person who's on a mission to do things good in life. And I don't think you'll ever retire. Things may change what you, mm-hmm. how you do it, but you'd always find a way to impact the world, you know? I'm going to try. And, uh, you know, I've been, you know, lucky to have good function here at 63. Yeah. Um, you're looking I, amazing. I too, yeah. I think <laughs> there's people that, you know, need to, I know, you know, I just took a bunch of different groups out snowboarding and skiing wow. and a lot of people are like, well, you know, I, you know, I don't ski anymore. It's too dangerous. And they're younger than me. And uh, maybe they've had an event or something like that, but I was really proud of the group that came out. They, you know, it wasn't without danger that they were getting on skis at their age. And one guy has had a, you know, a, like a, you know, compound fracture of the leg many years ago. And, and another one is, you know, not been out there for 10 years and one, another one, 20 years, but they all, we all did fine. Nobody got, nobody got hurt. My family as well. And, uh, <laughs> uh, so, so I always try, and this is, you know, every year try to do something not to the degree you do, but like climb a mountain or, uh, do something that kind of, Test Challenges. you to your survival level, uh, not probably true survival, but enough to really get your attention. And that is always very humbling. And it's always, uh, kind of beat you down to the base. Yep. And then I always find like I emerge from it, you know, in a better shape to be a caregiver. Yep. And so I try to do that once a year and it's been a, wow, you know, a, a fun practice. I saw some buddies that will go last uh, year. It was during the pandemic. It was, we only got one guy to fly with me to Salt Lake City, or to, excuse me, to Las Vegas. And then we went to, we did eight days, eight climbs. Wow. In the north Rim of the Grand Canyon, Zion, Bryce, Red Ooh. Rock outside of Las Vegas. So, you know, whatever we could do during the pandemic uh, to sort of, you know, rechallenge ourselves. Yeah. I like that. Once a year, do you something biggish? That's going to yes. lift your horizons. I call it the yeah, horizon lifting. So, because it's very easy to, for your horizons to start closing in as you get older and you start limiting what you do. And that, you know, even, in, you know, with, in my world with, I'm not doing the ultra marathons anymore because of, you know, mum and life, <laughs> but mm-hmm. to try to have those little adventures where you're still going out and still testing and pushing the body in different things, you know? So mm-hmm. even if it's at home doing, extreme sort of yoga moves or whatever that I'm trying to sure. get into, you know, at the age of 53, still trying to do the splits or, you know, it's, it's those little mm-hmm. things like, okay, I haven't lost that. That's good. You know, yep. <laughs> and trying to push you. And I think it, it also, yeah, like you say, it's humbling. It brings you back down to, to earth and reminds you, uh, you know, of your connection with nature and your connection to, to your humanity when you get out of your, day-to-day yeah. grind you know it's so so important dr charles it's a good reset been... too you oh know, yeah it's a good reset you know especially when you're in discomfort and and like yeah. july we did there <laughs> it's called a reg bri it's the ride across iowa it's the longest bike ride it's the oldest bike ride in america wow and it's a recreational ride but it's you know seven days in late july very warm i was not totally flat and, uh, but you met, there's 10,000 riders and you're sleeping on the ground in tents. Oh, and, cool. uh, so when you get back, you really appreciate your bed and your shower yes. and your, your food again. And, uh, 
And that, you know, if you don't ever do that, your sort of comfort space starts to get real narrow. And yep. uh, I am so. totally for that. Like, yeah, getting out and being uncomfortable, cold, freezing, hot, mm-hmm. pushing cardiovascularly, you know, doing all of those things, scaring the shit out of yourself slightly. <laughs> and you come back mm-hmm. and you go, ah, oh, isn't that nice that I have a shower? Isn't it nice that I have a bed in a house and, yeah. a, and a roof? And you appreciate it so much more. And, mm-hmm. it, and it's sort of reset. Oh, it's a, like a reset, isn't it? It's a bit of a reset. I, I like it. Yeah. 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 Working uh, on some things now, but uh, uh, always trying to, and I, and I want to say to your population, that um, this is an exciting time. There will be a an amazing showering of of technologies in the next ten years okay. that will change everything. You know, you name it: stem cells, you know, uh, uh, exosomes, uh, new new ways of think uh, of doing things. So. If you're starting to get over the hill and slide down, hold on because there are some <laughs> great on. opportunities. Yeah. Keep, keep, uh, keep the course because there'll be some great opportunities. And, uh, so be able to live a lot longer. If, yeah. I, yeah I, I agree. Hopefully with good quality. Yeah. The yeah. longevity science, um, is just fantastic. And, uh, you know, like I have, um, you know, like I'm into NMN, um, and, and resveratrol and my, my, all of those sorts of things, you know, Dr. Yep. David Sinclair's sort of recipes for, yep. <laughs> for health. Um, it, and it's, it, it makes me want to hang on because if I can wait till the science catches up, well, maybe we might be able to live decades longer with health. That would be mm-hmm. just amazing, you know. Um, and and I just hurry up, scientists, and get it get it done. Get, get yeah. this good information well, out to us. It's amazing. You're already do, you're already doing a bit of it. Um, <laughs> you know, I just read a chapter by David Sinclair, and I was yep. glad to see that. You know, eats one meal a day. You know, yep. vitamin D, K two, metformin, resveratrol. Yep. Uh, he does, he does do resveratrol, which. Um, I'm not currently doing, but uh, a lot of that is we're doing. So it's really exciting. And I think that, you know, it's better to, you know, look toward this rather than, you know, be be nervous about it because it will change our lives and there'll be some opportunities. But, but you might not always hear it in your standard of care, primary care practice, you know. So, uh, I mean, you know, it's. I That's have, why you got to tune into these types of shows. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Read I the mean, books, look at the science. Um, and because, yeah, there really is like a 20-year gap between yep. the standard of care and the actual current state of science. And, uh, you know, depending on what you're trying to achieve, but if you're in dire straits, you need to be at the cutting edge. And if you're yeah. just wanting longevity, then you also need to be, you know, uh, understanding the stuff that's mm-hmm. that's with the current research, what you can do to optimize. And that's yeah. how much I'm into optimizing, eh? Because I'm like, I'm 53, so I'm 10 years behind you. And, uh, you know. Looking pretty solid. <laughs> I think we're both looking well, pretty good, you know. 
and it's uh, it is everyday training. It's you know, it's mm. building muscle. It's keeping my flexibility. It's eating relatively right, not always, but relatively. You know, it's and it's doing all of these things all of the time, and it's that persistence. I think is the absolute mm-hmm. key. It's not doing it for two weeks and then falling off the bandwagon and stopping again. It's the yep. day in day out. I'm going to be pushing, 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 changing, developing. You know, and having that mindset. Yeah, it's like all of civilization, Darwin, you know, the animals that adapt and, and, and pivot and twist and they're the ones that survive. Not that I look at this <laughs> as a survival race, but, you know, I, I'd like to be as strong as possible to do what I think is good work as long as possible and carry on, you know, my goals and mission. Yep. And, um, you know, cause in, the data is not that good. You know, we used to the health span versus lifespan. It used to people would die you know, 20 years ago, about one year after they lost their independence or vitality. Now that span is about 10 to 12 years. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a lot of people, we all know some of them and mm. we take care of some of them uh, mm. that are in that limbo where they're not really happy, but they're alive and they're highly dependent yeah, and that number is getting nice. bigger. And that's, I think you have a responsibility, you know, because I talked to a lot of like mums and stuff in their 40s or whatever, and I haven't got time to exercise and eat right. I've got to look after my kids. And I'm going, by looking after yourself, you are looking after your kids' future because if you are in 10 years start developing whatever, Alzheimer's, yeah. cancer, any sort of degenerative thing, and then your child's got to look after you for their following 20 years, is that fair? Is that what you Bingo. want for them? Yeah, you know, and that makes them like go, oh, oh, you know, because because they do. A lot of people like are so selfless. They're looking after the kids. They're looking after everybody else, and they think it's selfish to take time to look after themselves. When actually, that they're going to be fully dependent. I mean, and, and so many people are now dependent on others to to to, yeah. to survive. And I, I know, just you know, looking after mum. Uh, it's in in going through the journeys we've been through. It's a hell of a load. Like I mean, I'd do it gladly in a hundred times, but it, it is uh, a massive thing to have to do twenty four seven round the clock. Clear, you know. Yeah. Do, do you want that? You know, like would you like? I don't want to be in that position for myself or or to put my loved ones um, through that. And, and mum was one of those classic people that, that looked after everybody else our entire yeah. lives. And we were all selfishly, yeah, mum would be always there for us, you know, and she was always there for us uh, until she needed us, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, looking back now, I could have saved her a lot of things if we'd started working on all this years ago. Well, know? Yeah, I mean, we all didn't have that knowledge, and that's yep. it's never a good idea to look look back <laughs> without with with. But anyway, yeah, thank you for getting your message out and uh, your your purity of spirit and God, your great work with your mom times two. And uh, <laughs> let us know, you know, oh. I would like to know personally how this how this works out because uh, yeah i will see, i will keep you posted and and i i would like to know more um, perhaps we'll, we'll connect um outside of this um about the uh zero um 
life sciences stuff. Um, yeah, stage and, zero. And if I can yeah, help you with anything, get the word out there further, I think your mission that Care Oncology is doing is just so, so important. And this is all grassroots stuff, you know, getting the, getting the knowledge out to the people on the ground and not waiting to just go through the institutions. We have to, we, we have to do this word of mouth, mouth thing. And we, we're lucky now with yeah. the technology we can do that. Um, and if we can reach, you know, thousands of people every time we do one of these things, that, that, that's powerful, you know. Bingo. And um, it's real easy. Uh, the, we have a few websites. Uh, yes, you can look please. up yep. careoncology.com, and it's, you know, C-A-R-E-O-N-C-O-L-O-G-Y.com is, is one that's been our traditional treatment site. But that links to the other ones. And then the more the new product I was talking about for prevention of with just, you know, the healthy pe- or non-cancer patients who want to really look under the hood and have this virtual physician experience is avrtnow.com, you know, the acronym AVERT, avert to now. prevent or avoid, you know, AVERT, uh, A-V-R-T dot, avrtnow.com. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Stage Zero Life Sciences is another site that people can go to, which has all the links. Okay, I'm going to put that all in the in the uh, show notes. And and you have your own personal website. Are you still doing coaching or YouTube? Yeah, yeah. So I had to stop doing the coaching about a year ago because there wasn't enough time in the day with all the care oncology patients. It's uh, I've got two chairs that I switch because sitting here from ten to six most days doing zooms, and I you know it, it. it gets physically challenging. I, I, and I have stand up desk, but, uh, so I do post articles there that, um, I think are relevant. I call it questions from the clinic and, uh, it's questions people come in with and they ask about this. And I, you know, say rather than me going into a long discussion, we have 30 minutes or an hour, depending on the, the, the consult, I steer them there and they can, find the content. And like today I initiated a blog on insulin potentiated therapy and all of them have the same format. They're about a five to seven minute read. They, they talk about, you know, the general, you know, history of this. And then they talk about the mechanism of action. Uh, then it talks about the completed randomized trials and or uh, consensus statements on it from like the Cochrane Coalition Group or NCI or something like that. Then it talks about the open trials, if, if there are any, and then it has a conclusion. And wow. it's all about what we know now today, you know, topics like, you know, melatonin for cancer, yeah. mistletoe for cancer, yeah. high dose vitamin C, hyperbaric oxygen, what's its role, ozone, things like that. Mm. Uh, I got to, you know, so it, it helps me give people information that makes it more efficient. Uh, and outside of the those. clinic time where people can actually go and yeah, yeah. read the research. Yeah. Oh, so we will definitely – so that, that, that website is Dr. It's, it, it's actually coachitforwardchuck.com. Coachitforwardchuck.com. Yeah, yeah, like pay it forward, coachitforwardchuck.com. And uh, I always felt, I felt bad stopping. It was more general health coaching – and it was neat. People could, if they wanted to, it was mandatory. If they, I had five or six charities there they could donate to if they wanted to in exchange for my time. Wow. Uh, but as Karen College got busier and busier, 
Plus, I did that year of entrepreneurial work, which was a lot of hard schoolwork, but but fun. Uh, I had to stop it uh, in, in mid-2021. Yeah, I don't know how you even started it with all that load, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. absolutely amazing. Um, but, but go and read those articles if you want to get top-notch uh, information, everyone out there. Dr. Chuck, you've been amazing today. I want to thank you really um, for the, the soul that you bring to this whole thing and the passion and the, the hard work that you and Care Oncology are doing in getting this work out and saving lives, um, most importantly, and it's just super, super important. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, Lisa. I think we're part of the same tribe uh, with the same purpose, and uh, I'm glad to be on your team. So oh. thank you, and thank you, audience. Appreciate it. That's it this week for Pushing the Limits. Be sure to rate, review and share with your friends and head over and visit Lisa and her team at lisatarmaty.com.